0: Today, we're we're at Ephesians 5, verse 22, and I want to read a couple of verses here to you. And uh, as a matter of fact, I want all the ladies to read this with me. We're going to read the first couple of verses. Read it out good and loud, ladies. Help me out this morning. Encourage me in this as you join me. Let's read together. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Let's read that one more time. I don't think everybody got in on that. I want make sure you get that second word. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So, Lord, we just pray you help us today not only to be hearers of your word. We want to be doers. Plant it deep within us. And allow us, God, to grow in you and to mature in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the reason I'm starting with the ladies is because you're first here. I wanted to go to the men, but I'm just following along Scripture, and it says, no, you've got to do the wives first. And uh, there was a little bit of intrepidation here, just thinking, oh, man, Lord, I know some of our ladies. And... Ooh, that word submit bothers them, so help me to be on point today and to say and do the right things. But if you love Jesus, that word doesn't bother you, amen? Let's say that a little bit louder. If you love Jesus, that doesn't bother you, amen? Amen. Because next week we're going to talk about men loving their wives as Christ loved the church. And believe me, that is something that men have to grow in. And so, anyway, we're going to be looking at that, but it's exciting as we've been going through the book of Ephesians to to look at this. Um, I was thinking about Adam and Eve in the garden, and then they got kicked out, and their children came to them, and the children said, Mom, Dad, what happened? How in the world did we get kicked out of Eden, out of the garden? And Adam goes, it's pretty simple, kids. He said... uh, It took place because your mother ate us out of house and home. (laughs) So that's my joke for today. How many know we are living in a twisted reality, like I've never seen before, where deception is trying, like I've never seen it, to distort truth and biblical standards? And if we can remain biblical and be led by the Holy Spirit, we can continue to raise the standard for those around us and let them see what the love of God is all about and how believers produce the right fruit each and every day. That's so important that we do that. Men have an X and a Y chromosome. God-given makes them a male. Women have an XX chromosome, makes them a female, period. No amount of legislation, media, makeup, clothing, or surgery will change God's word and its standards. Amen? Amen. Amen. In this twist, if you're living in the state of Illinois, you need to move. Because the billionaires in that state that are conducting things and passing legislation through their brother, the governor, it's pathetic what's going on in that state. Their perversion and their love to serve the devil is just terrible. It really is. And I'm not here to offend anybody, but I probably will. Proverbs 6, 12 through 14 says, A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. That's Proverbs 6, 12 through 14. I told some of you that I've really been challenged here lately. I've been reading a book... Um, by J.B. Hickson, H-I-X-S-O-N. Dr. J.B. Hickson, you need to get that book. Volume 1 and Volume 2. It's called The Spirit of the Antichrist. And it is laying out everything that is happening today and what's going to happen. So get that book. Spirit of the Antichrist by J.B. Hickson, Volume 1 and 2. And this is out of volume two. I just want to read a little bit out of there. The future Antichrist will be characterized by shameless debauchery. He will engage in all matter of sexual deviant behavior. The Bible tells us that he will have no desire for women, Daniel eleven thirty seven, 37, meaning his sexual desires will be Unnatural. God's divine design is for sexual relationships to take place within the confines of a marriage. This is why I'm talking about this. Before I get into these roles, I want you to understand God has set the standards for marriage. He has set the standards for marriage. And this is why marriages are under attack. The devil doesn't want you together today because he wants to divide your home so that he can gain control of this entire area and your sphere of influence. And most of you are like, well, I don't like what she says, and I don't like how she acts, and I don't like what he says, and I don't like. Grow up, mature a little bit, and get beyond what's going on in your house. Turn the other cheek. Forgive one another. Start walking as a team together in the kingdom of God, because you're going to need each other real soon. God's divine design is for sexual relationships to take place within the confines of marriage between one man and one woman. Like everything else, Satan's agenda is to destroy God's plan for marriage intimacy. These elite, perverted, People operate within dark, wicked, underworld situations such as child sex trafficking, satanic ritual abuse, and unrestrained sexual perversity. The spirit of perversion has been a trademark from the very beginning. Early on, Satan's demons sought to alter the human DNA. This is what they did in Genesis 6. This is why God destroyed the earth leaving their proper domain and cohabiting with earthly women, Genesis 6-2 and Jude 6. Their sexual perversion so angered God that he destroyed the earth with a global flood, saving only eight righteous people in Noah's family, Genesis 7 and 8. God has reserved these demons in everlasting chains under darkness for judgment of the great day, Jude 6. They are imprisoned in a place Awaiting their final torment and everlasting fire, 2 Peter 2.4 and Matthew 25.31. A demonic bent towards sexual perversion is common amongst those evil sinners that are serving the devil today. It's very common in the elite. They follow the lust of their hearts and they dishonor their bodies, having exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Romans one twenty four through 25. They are characterized by vile passions according to which their men, leaving natural use for the women, burn in their lust for one another. Men and women committing what is shameful and their wife and their women, likewise, exchanging natural use for what is unnatural. Romans one twenty six through 27. They have debased minds. They do these things which are not fitting, Romans 1, 28. The Bible warns of scoffers that will come in the last days. When you're a mocker or a scoffer, you will not probably be able to accept Christ, according to Proverbs. You're beyond reach. Because you've made a decision. But it says here that scoffers are going to come in the last days. Oh, my goodness. We have to be careful as we see this. The word translated here, according to their own lust, 2 Peter 3.3, 3, the word translated here means evil desire or craving in the same word used in Romans 1.24 mentioned earlier with regard to sexual perverted lust. The book of Jude refers to these last days, scoffers, as sensual persons and mockers in the last time who will walk according to their own godly lust, Jude 18. The Apostle Paul warns in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. How many politicians do we say, here say, well, I, I believe the Bible, you know, I grew up in church, and I but yet they're promoting such ungodly lifestyles. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the truth. They are the people, along with many in the church, In Matthew chapter 7, where it says, I've cast out demons in your name. I've healed the sick in your name. And Jesus looks at them and says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You did what you wanted to do, not what Jesus wanted you to do. There can be no doubt that perilous times that the Bible predicted have arrived. They are getting worse and worse, 2 Timothy 3.13. What about public schools? What's going on there? One of the most disturbing aspects of the spirit of perversion is what I call the gender surrender movement. It represents a direct assault on the image of God in man. Mankind is the crown jewel, the highest pinnacle of creation. When God created mankind, he saved the best for last. Biological gender is part and parcel of God's divine design for humanity. The Bible says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Not 90 different genders are transferred to this mixture of garbage. Amen. By convincing people today to give up their gender, or that they have no gender to begin with, these Satan worshipers are mocking God. The gender surrender movement is their attempt to eradicate biological sex and show God that his prized creation is flawed. One's gender to those that serve Satan is a blight and it must be eliminated. Their transhumanist ideology seeks to purge mankind of the affliction of biological sex. In the United States, this is an attack and it's in full sway. As a young child, children, are being told, taught in school, led by the government system that gender is a choice. And they are steered toward deviant and unnatural choices. Even preschoolers are targeted. Planned Parenthood has distributed guidelines for parents on how to talk to their preschoolers about gender. If your four-year-old asks you why boys and girls are different, the guidelines say you should tell them Your genitals don't make you a boy or a girl. These evil people have this concept of synthetic sex identities, SSI. It's being forced upon our children in a massive mind control program under the guise of sex education. One of the most influential backers of that is the Pritzker Family Empire. They're out of Chicago, hitting it in California. Just start studying what's going on there. It's amazing what they're doing and the deception that's going on with them. Sadly, perverse education curriculum is not only being saturated and unique to Illinois, the natural sex education, NSES, is seeking to make nationwide policy. The NSES Manual was crafted the Future Sex Education Initiative with the financial backing of major foundations like Packard, Ford, to the Institute of Wise working to institutionalize sex education, a national initiative that supports school districts in implementing sex education throughout the country. Do you see what we're up against? Man, this is so perverted. And you tell me you're going to make a difference at home while they're spending almost 40 hours a week with people pushing garbage down them. You better be meeting with your children every night and asking them what has gone on so you can undo some of this stuff, parents. I tell you that in love. The attempt of these evil elite ones to capture the minds of our young people and fill them with the spirit of perversion is utterly despicable. Even 20 years ago, such blatant lewdness would never have been tolerated. The words of the prophet Isaiah has come to mind. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah 5.20, woe indeed. And the the spirit of Antichrist intensifies. The school system is not the only mechanism that they are using to peddle this perversity. The entertainment industry... Mainstream media are going and doing their part. Disney promoting same-sex marriage, an agenda to children of all ages, from preschool to high school. The FBS animated show Arthur, the PBS—I'm sorry—animated show Arthur targeting children four to eight years old, aired an entire episode centered around gay weddings between two characters. It is not just sexual perversion that Hollywood is foisting upon our children. They are promoting Satanism and the cult as well. There's a show out on FX, an animated show called Little Demon, distributed by Disney, streamed on Hulu, that normalizes Satanism. The show's description reads, 13 years ago... Being impregnated by Satan, a reluctant mother, Laura, and her Antichrist daughter, Chrissy, attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware, but are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, who yearns for custody of his daughter. Little demon is the show. If you do not think they are alive and pushing hard, you're missing the boat. Parents, what are your children going to face in 10 years, 20 years? What are your grandchildren going to face? It's time to be praying and seeking God. Now, everybody say amen. Amen. I wanted to hit you with that because I wanted you to understand why it's important. The roles of marriage are important according to Scripture. And you may have a problem with your spouse, but you need to work it out. You need to work it out. Too many are just abandoning, well, I'm tired, you know, I'm on the defensive, and every time you say something, my feelings get hurt. Oh, my gosh. This is a very uh, submissive woman. She loves me. She submitted. She submits Macy receipts. She submits (laughs) Cole receipts. She submits... Um, shoe receipts, she submits house things, curtain receipts she's very submissive (laughs) I gotta get you back to smiling because I just hit you with a lot of heavy stuff first point today is this, marriage is symbolic for Christ's relationship with the church that's point number one he loved us so much that he died for us. That's unthinkable. Who dies for somebody? Especially when you see all the sin that they're going to commit and all the evil things they're going to do and yet you're still going to die for them. That's incredible. This is a mystery that's so profound and it refers to Jesus and his love for us. It's amazing. Colossians 3.8 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I'm just going to tell you right now, Pastor, I don't like that word. And when you tell me to submit to Bubba, Bubba has no common sense. I get it. But, ladies, he never asked for the role. Can I say that again? He never asked for the role that God gave him, nor did you. And, honestly, most men don't like to have to lead the headship because it's hard. Because you see, ladies, every decision in your home, in your family, not only are those involved being held accountable, but as the head of the home, he is responsible for God and will give accountability to every decision that goes on in that home. Now look at your husband and say, you're precious. (laughs) Titus 2.5, to be self-controlled. Come on, he's just talking about us here. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of god may not be reviled 1 Corinthians 11:3 but i want you to understand that the head of every man is christ get this ladies the head of every man is jesus the head of the wife is her husband And the head of Christ is God, his Father. If Jesus can be submitted, we can do it. There are authorities placed on this earth that we are to submit to. Now, I'm going to get to the areas that you don't submit in. So don't leave me yet. Science says this. That when we meditate on a thought for 30 seconds or longer, it produces a feeling. When you think on something 30 seconds or longer, it produces a feeling. I can't stand him. I can't stand him. I can't stand I hate that about him. I hate that about him. I hate that. You're producing a feeling. Come on. The feeling is much harder to deal with, especially if it's focusing on the negative. Now, this applies to us all, but ladies, I'm just trying to help you out here. He doesn't clean up the house. He doesn't clean up the house. He doesn't clean up his mess. Can I tell you, in marriage, many times opposites attract. One's messy. One's organized. One's an extrovert. One's an introvert. One likes the toilet roll. The toilet paper rolled one way, one doesn't care. One squeezes the toothpaste this way. Remember when you were first married, you tried to do everything so that they could not see your flaws. If they came into the bathroom after you, you were... No smell. Come on now, don't play innocent. You did all that stuff. And then about six months into it, you went... Um, I don't like to kiss anymore. (laughs) Just once in a while. Funny things happen. Opposites attract, but then down the road they can start repelling. A lot of truth in that. (laughs) I think of guys I know when they're dating somebody and they're real serious, whatever she likes, he likes. We'll go do this. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. And then he goes, oh, we'll do this. I'm so excited. Then they get married. and so It's like, uh, I'm not doing that anymore. Like my daughter-in-law, she told my, my son that she was a hunter. She hunted like two times once they were married. She goes, I'm done with that. It's amazing. So not only if we think on the thought, it becomes a feeling, and feelings are harder to deal with, especially when they focus on the negative. If you are thinking about the flaws of your husband, this can produce feelings that lead to anger, resentment, and even frustration. Come on now, get this. I can say the same thing to the men, but I'm talking to the ladies today. Because you're just like, oh, he's so, I'm so frustrated. I saw him on that game. I hate gaming. Mm. He can just walk by and look at one. And you're like, mm. <laughs> see, it's producing things it shouldn't produce. I'm, I'm just helping you grow in your marriage. Guys, don't help them Eat. Oh, gosh, she pours all kinds of stuff on her plate and eats every bit of it. Oh, my goodness. Guys. Come on now. We have to be careful. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we destroy, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What are we doing here? We're supposed to be taking, now that's out of the NIV, you've got the ESV in your your outline, but those pretensions, those things that really aren't true, but we're wanting to make them true, we take that thought captive. We've got to take it captive. Captive. And then we've got to do what Philippians 4, eight says. This is to all of us finally, brothers. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think on these things. When we keep our mind distracted on the ungodly negative things, our feelings get caught up when we need to go back and say, I just love the way he takes care of this. I just love that he loves Jesus. I love it that he's doing this. Focus on the good things and let the Holy Spirit take care of the other things. You are not his mother. Let's talk about being a mother. I am amazed when I think about women in marriage, and your children can destroy your kitchen. Make a mess, go into their bedroom, their rooms are wrecked, there's crayon writing on the wall, and you're like, and you're not happy, but yet, it's okay, Johnny, it's okay, Susie. This is something we don't do. We have to, now let me help you clean it up. But your husband makes a mess. Why, you jerk. Get out there. Get out there and clean that up. You're getting no supper. I won't be sleeping in that bed with you for, come on, what is the wrong with you, woman? He is somebody's son. There was a mother in his life, and she loves him like you love your children, but you need to start treating him with more respect and love and understand Sir, that she is somebody's daughter who loved them unconditionally and and would do anything for them. You need to start seeing things. This is the truth. When Shaloi frustrates me, the Lord shows me a picture of her as a little girl. And he says to me, her mom and dad loved her so much. And I love her more. And I keep that picture and I'm just like, that is so cool, God. I don't want decisions causing a week, a month, and for some of you, years of hell on earth. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't like this message already. <laughs> but Philippians 4 8, think on what is good. Point number two, submission starts with Christ. Genesis 3.6, to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Oh, man. That one's intense. I'm going to get to that stuff that you want me to bring up. It's coming to help you out. God's saying, you're going to want to be leading the home. You're going to want to lead the family. There's going to be this thing in you that's going to buck decisions. I'm going to get to why it's there. But God chose that to be his role to lead. Marriage is incredible. Somebody say amen. Oh, that was a week. Oh, my goodness. Marriage is incredible. Amen? Amen? But divorce is easy today. But we've been sold a bill of goods about divorce. And it's sad. Shante Feldhahn, she started doing a study as she was writing these books about marriage. And she wanted to find out what are the real statistics in the United States Because we're being told 55, 50-some percent divorce. That's not true. Do you know that they take their divorce statistics that everybody's using and they get a lot of it out of the census, but the guy that supposedly said he had a study that divorce was 50% of America, when they found him, he said, I don't know who said that, but I never did that study. That all of half of marriages in America are going to end up in divorce. What's that do? That's, that's the devil giving us no hope, and it's not true. we got to debunk the myth about this and the things that are going on. The divorce rate for society as a whole is not 50%. It's not anywhere close. According to the statistics that she found, and the good news is, it's really only about 27% in America. Wow. And in Protestant first-time marriages, I think it drops down to 18%. And when they say your second and your third marriage, it's easier to get divorced, that is not true. Many second and third marriages stay together. What they're doing in the census is this. Every person, when they count Americans every 10 years, that has been widowed. A spouse has died in the census. They're not sure what to do with them, so they call them divorced. That's the truth. And they're not really divorced. The rate of divorce in the church is not the same as society, it's nowhere close. We need to understand that. Fact number three, remarriages don't have an insanely high divorce rate. That's a fact. Because you've heard 66% of second marriages, 72% of third marriages. That's not true. You can just Google Shante, And she's got all of these statistics on her website. And you can see this. The divorce rate for second marriages is like 30%. And the fourth myth is people that are married are miserable. That's untrue. They're actually happy. Because when you're in the kingdom, you realize you're doing this together, not alone. We're a team to go after God, and to make it happen. Amen? And that person's there for you, and you're there for them. You may not always agree, but you're there. Marriage is God's idea, not ours. And his word has a lot to say about it, and we need to understand that. Submission in marriage is important. We are to value one another, show mutual respect. Ephesians 5.21 is to take on the mindset of a servant yielding to God's command and trusting him in marriage. Why? Out of reverence for God. Point number three, God established the family structure. Number four, let's jump to that verse real quick in case I don't get there. Point number four, Ephesians 5.33. However... Here it is, ladies. Here's the word. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Okay. (laughs) However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The worst thing you can do to your mate is disrespect them at home and in public. Do not shame them. Shaloi and I do not use the D word, the divorce word. We've never used it in front of our children. We won't use that in front of our our grandchildren. That D word is not in our family. We're not going to divorce. She may want to murder me, but she's not going to divorce me. She may not like me one day, but she has to love me. Ladies, you submit to your hubby as unto the Lord. And I'm talking to married folks. And you can look at Colossians and 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, and you can see where it says, well, if he doesn't know the Lord, you can win him over by your attributes of being a godly wife. Do I still submit to him if he's not saved? Yes, in the context of marriage. But you do not ever yield your morals according to scripture. You never give up your morals according to God's word. You all, God's word rates way beyond on his opinion. I remember when my mom started working and my dad never gave a dime to the church before he was saved And my mom started working, and she said, well, I'm tithing on this. And she got an inheritance from her mom, and she goes, I'm in tithing on this. And my dad said, no, I'm the head of this home. You're not tithing. She said, okay, I'm giving my notice tomorrow. What? If I can't tithe, I'm not working. Because tithing is a principle to a believer, and it overrides your opinion, honey. And I'm going to give the inheritance back. Dad's like, go ahead and start tithing. (laughs) You see, in marriage, words and deeds can shut a spouse down. Ladies, your words and deeds can shut a spouse down. You can cause them to isolate, to remain quiet, to no longer feel valued because you had to show your wisdom and your intellect, and you had to display you knew better. But what you were doing was demoralizing them. What you need to do is be praying for them and let the Holy Spirit do that. You don't need to be saying, uh, "I didn't see you in your devotions today." Hmm, how long's it been? That's not your. That's not your part, ladies. You read your word, they may see you, but don't you get on them. You let the Holy Spirit do that. Hello, come on now, are you getting what I'm saying here? Some of us think that we are the judge, the jury, and we're giving everybody the final verdict in the home. If you're not careful, you'll sabotage your relationship. And if you're defensive or constantly deflecting due to insecurity in your own life because you carried over the baggage from the first marriage or the second marriage or whatever, and you're constantly saying, well, when, when he acts like that or he does that, the real problem is I'm still insecure about what happened to me years ago, but it triggers something, and you've really not forgiven that person in the past, and you project it onto your current husband, and that is wrong. Oh, that's a good word right there. I said it really easy and was very careful. <laughs> intimacy is important in marriage. And ladies don't like to hear this, but Gary Chapman did a study. A man has a physical need of intimacy at least once every 72 hours, an absolute physical need. he gets it once every six months, and that's about all he's going to get it if he don't straighten up. Oh, my gosh. You're going to find him in pornography. You're going to find him doing things that he shouldn't do and thinking about other women all because you decide what goes on. No, 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 no. You line up with Scripture. But more important than intimacy more important than that in marriage is praying together. If you'll start praying together, these other things will start coming out and flowing out together. That's a higher priority for God. Pray. Pray together. Man, when I pray for Shawite, she just becomes putty in my hands. And I have to give her a half hour back scratch, but that's okay. But taking her hand in the morning or putting my hand on her shoulder or praying for her about her day or if she calls me and praying for her on the phone, but just encouraging, asking God to do these things. What's on your heart so I can pray about that? And her prayer, it's so important. Early yesterday morning, I was coming in. We, had, we were going to have the mince breakfast. And 25 was a sheet of ice. And I got out here past this stoplight, and I was going to run to grab something real quick. And about halfway, I couldn't stop. The light was red. There was a car in the right lane. I'm pumping my brakes. I couldn't stop. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Drift, shifting down and low. Oh, Lord. I'm going into 231 right out here with cars coming both ways. I look to my left. This guy's going sideways. I'm like, he's going to hit me. I look to my right. There's a truck and another one, and I'm going right in front of them. They're coming at a good speed, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. And all of a sudden, my foot just gets pushed, and it just flies. And all of a sudden, I get through that intersection. I ran a red light. No video to prove that. And it so shocked me and shook me, I just went home. After I picked up, when I picked up the thing I was getting, the person goes, are you okay? Not really. (laughs) I want to talk to Chad on TV 18. (laughs) Love you, Chad. I do. He's a good guy. You're to be a team. Never use intimacy as a weapon. That's ungodly. You're to be a team for Christ's kingdom. Join and go together. Two are better than one, according to Ecclesiastes 4.9. Walk in marriage arm in arm and watch what God will do. And then there's another one in the New Living Translation. It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Another version says... Two are better than one, and they help each other succeed. Come on now. We're in a team to help one another. How many ladies, you're just going to be honest and say, oh, and I, I'm a pretty strong-willed woman. Come on, say, lift your hand up. Just be real. Come on, hold it up high. I want to see it. I love you. You are the women that the kingdom of God can be built upon. Amen. You get things done, and I love that. I love that. Just stay submissive. Stay in the word. Pray with your spouse. And love it when he's doing it. Because you, women, you can lead. I know that. And many of you are smarter than most of us. I know that. Come on now. I comes up with the things that I'm like, babe, you are so smart. That is so good. I never even thought of that. Matter of fact, I was so far out over there thinking about something else. And she realizes I can only think one thought at a time. <laughs> Ladies, you can have seven things going on at the same time. Seven things. Get those kids. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, I'm on the phone. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fixing that. I said get those kids. They're killing each other. Oh, yeah, that was a great time. I, we are got to go out with you guys more than you're up. I up. Mean, you can actually do that. He can only think one thought. It's a fact. <laughs> and if you don't get his attention, Shaloy, I, will be hollering from the bedroom when I'm in the basement, and all I'm hearing is this, yak, 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 yak. And I hate that, and I get upstairs, and I'm like, what, what, what? You didn't hear me? No, I'm way down there. Tell me what, what you were saying. Some of you, you're getting a little ticked at me this morning. You know why? Because you're trying to justify the way you've been treating him. And that's not God's plan. Stand with me this morning. Ladies, Eve was created out of Adam. Come on, get this. God took her out of Adam to be a helpmate so he wouldn't be alone. She's a companion. She's not inferior. She's there to compliment his life. Do you get that, ladies? You're a compliment to your husband. But I gotta ask you, if you ask your husband today, do I compliment your life or do I complicate your life? Are you willing to hear that answer? there may be some things you have to die to. Get to the very last part here on the screen. What submission does not mean? What submission does not mean? There's four things there. It does not mean you agree with your husband about everything. Can I get an amen? Oh, yeah, I knew you. You start shining now. You're coming out of it. We will not agree about everything. We are different, male and female. We don't think the same way. But it doesn't mean you rebel. Secondly, B, it does not mean you cannot discuss your thoughts. Hello. But you must get his attention. If he's watching the Purdue game and he's crying like a baby and his world is shattered remind him it's just a sporting event for entertainment go Hoosiers I root any Indiana team on Notre Dame, Indiana Ball State, Butler, Evansville and Purdue do does it not mean you can't discuss your thoughts? You can give him your thoughts. Then you can pray about it together and you can come to a decision without demeaning each other or shutting the other down. Three, it does not mean a wife has no influence. Proverbs 31. Let me just highlight verse 10 there. Proverbs 31. Verse 10, a virtuous woman is defined in Proverbs It really says she'll take care of the house. She knows she's probably going to pick the house out. She's going to decorate. But it says in verse 10, she is more precious than rubies. Verse 11, her husband trusts her. Verse 12, she will do him good. And verse 22. When he finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Come on. You have influence. You're just fulfilling the role that Christ gave you. And then lastly, it does not mean putting the will of your husband before the Word of God. You don't have to engage in ungodly behavior,
1: pornography,
0: You don't want to go to an ungodly place. You don't go. The Word of God in the standard with Christ being the center of your life overrides any of the world's ungodliness. Amen? Just bow your heads this morning. I love James 4, 7. This applies to us all, but ladies, it's for you this morning. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil... And he will flee from you. First Peter three one through six. With your heads bowed, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by conduct of their wives. When they see you respectful and see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair, the putting on of gold and jewelry. It's not saying you can't wear that. Don't focus, but focus on the internal. Win him that away. That's really what God wants. Biblical submission in marriage is the disposition to follow the husband's authority and a loving response to yield in the relationship it's an attitude that says, I delight for you to take the initiative, husband. I delight for you to take the initiative in our family. I'm glad when you take responsibility for the things and lead with love. I don't flourish when you are passive and when I have to make the family work. And we're going to talk about men next week. And you need to get all the men here because they need to hear the things out of God's word. I just think about, and I was going to do this today, and it's been such a busy week, I was going to have a husband and wife come up here unbeknownst, and I was going to let him wash her feet today, because I just think of Jesus knowing what the disciples were about to do to him, and yet he washed their feet, and he loved them. There's not a perfect marriage, there's not a perfect spouse. It may look greener on the other side of the fence, but you've got to water that grass, you've got to fertilize that grass, and the same problems you have now will come to you again in five years in that same marriage, in in another marriage if you decide to walk away. We are in a season, because I read this stuff at the very beginning, where the family is trying to be dismantled. We need marriages to stay teamed up, supporting one another, praying for one another. Your kids need to see it because they're going to face things you've never faced. So with heads bowed. If the Holy Spirit spoke to you today as a husband or as a wife or as a single, nobody look, I don't want anybody looking around. Eyes closed. Would you just lift your hand and say, "He spoke to me today." Just just take it up and put it back down. Just he take take it up all over. Anybody else yes, he spoke to me. Yes, he spoke to me. He spoke to me. Anybody else he spoke to me. Holy Spirit Make our marriages strong. Don't let this frivolous arguments where we have thought on something and produced a feeling and it was a negative thought with negative feelings and it's caused resentment and anger and frustration. Help us to look at the good things that you have placed in our spouses and our family and help us to continue to display the fruit of the Spirit. Give us a great week in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you didn't like the sermon, go talk to Pastor Adam. Have a great week.
1: If you'd like to support the ministry at Church Alive, there are three easy ways for you to give. You can give at www.churchalivewc.org. Click the giving button in the top of the menu, then you will scroll to the giving page, and there you will choose a designation. Then type in the amount you'd like to give. You can choose to give to another fund by clicking the add a donation button. Leave a comment or make your gift recurring by clicking in the box. Then you will click whether you want to give by a card or your bank account. Enter your information and check the amount you want to give then click the submit button. You can also give through the Church Alive app that can be found in your phone's app store. Once you've downloaded the app, click on the Church Alive app, click the giving button, and then click continue on the next page. You'll be taken to the app's giving page. From there, follow the instructions for giving online. If you'd like to send a check, the address is Church Alive Worship Center at 2401 South 100 West, Lafayette, Indiana, 47909. We want to thank you for being part of the Church Life family, and we pray that God will bless you.